Recession and inflation are here. Gas, housing, and everyday goods are up, way up. And you want to be ready for any situation. So what would you do if there's no food on the shelf? Arc Heirloom Seeds are here to help. Did you know 99% of seeds sold today can't reproduce? With Heirloom Seeds, you only have to plant once. Then you can grow year after year, giving you and your family stability and security because things are getting crazy out there. Our all-in-one seed kit provides everything you need to grow your own food. This premium seed kit has over 65 varieties, 50,000 seeds in stores for 15 years. You'll also get our exclusive seed guide to make growing a no-brainer. Arc Seed Kits is a family-owned and operated business and the most trusted name in the nation for over 15 years. Our mandate is to get heirloom seeds into every home in America. Go to arcseedkits.com today and get free shipping by entering promo code podcast. That's ARKseedkits.com, promo code podcast. Get your seeds, get prepared, get growing. Arcseedkits.com. Today is August 30th, 2021, and our first story, shocking news out of Kabul. A U.S. drone strike supposedly targeting ISIS-K has resulted in the death of a family, including several children, sparking a major scandal. In our next story, a Lieutenant Colonel Stuart Scheller, who spoke up against what happened in Afghanistan demanding accountability, has been relieved of duty and has announced he is resigning from the Marine Corps. And in our last story, a mother had her child taken away by a judge because she could not get the vaccine due to doctor's orders. If you like this show, please leave a good review and give us five stars. And if you really like the show, tell your friends about it. Now, let's get into that first story. One of the first things that President Barack Obama did when he got into office was ordered a drone strike, which ended up killing about two dozen women and children. I remember reading the story a really long time ago, and I was surprised because I thought that Obama was going to be the one to end these wars. Now, they ended up just calling him Obama. Obama, that's right, because ultimately he ended up killing several American citizens, most notably Abdulrahman Alalaki and Anwar Alalaki. Whatever, whatever the crimes of Anwar Alalaki may have been, he was an American citizen who was warranted due process. We, we put the, the Nazis on trial at Nuremberg. Abdulrahman Alalaki, however, was a 16-year-old kid eating at a civilian cafe in Yemen. And for some reason, the U.S. decided to drone bomb that. This is the history and the nature of U.S. foreign policy. And now that uh, Donald Trump is out of office, we are returning to this doctrine. But to be fair, I'll throw shade at Donald Trump as well, because one of the first things he did when he got into office was he uh, ordered a commando raid in Yemen, which is believed to have killed an eight-year-old American girl. In fact, the sister of Abdul Rahman Alalaki. None of these people deserve to walk away from this. As the president, the buck stops with them. And perhaps as we've seen with Donald Trump, it's not so easy. But I think that if we're going to in any way kind of diminish Donald Trump's role in the chaos that ensues in the Middle East overseas, we have to at least give some credit to Obama. What I mean to say is I believe that permanent government, as it's called, right? Some may refer to this as the deep state. But what this really is, is just people in bureaucratic positions who are appointed and remain in these positions for extended period of times, regardless of elections. These are the people that are making these decisions and giving this advice that ultimately results in chaos and death. And maybe it's because they're incompetent. Maybe it's because they're callous. Or maybe it's because they want to exacerbate the crisis as a justification for nation building and conquest in many of these countries. I think that is probably the case. Because now we're getting the latest news on what happened, what's going on in Afghanistan. And I got to say, 
the Biden administration is a, is a return to the hard doctrine of, well, I guess the Obama Biden administration, because Biden was part of all of that. So it's no surprise that we're getting reports that nine members of one family, including six children, were just killed in a U.S. drone strike near Kabul airport. You know, I want to be I want to make sure I'm being accurate and fair. As I stated uh, in the several videos, if Donald Trump were president at this time and the and the Taliban began overrunning Afghan security forces, I believe the drones would have been out in full force. But you see, this is a good example, in my opinion, of, well, first I'll say my bias. I would assume that Donald Trump would have acted more quickly, and perhaps that's wrong. I have no real way to judge that because we can't see into alternate timelines. But when the Taliban started rushing in, executing Afghan security force uh, commandos, and then sweeping into provincial capitals, I believe Donald Trump would have used drones, and he would have used them against the Taliban. The problem now is Bagram Air Force Base was abandoned nearly overnight, The Taliban overran the provincial capitals, taking Kabul. And now we are pinned down with 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 attacks happening near near one of the gates. U.S. Marines and and, and other servicemen and women losing their lives. And now Joe Biden says, send in the drones. The only problem, their intel is bad. You see, if you if you launch a drone strike at a group of very obvious combatants in vehicles storming through the desert, you know, I, I'm going to I shouldn't assume it's that simple, but I would say when you're looking at an advancing militaristic faction from the sky, it's probably easier to figure out who these people are, as opposed to being in a big city like Kabul of five million people. And then the Biden administration fires missiles from a drone and reportedly didn't kill anybody related to ISIS. Now, these people, uh, the Central Command, are claiming that the vehicles had explosives in them, proving that they were up to something. But even CNN is reporting that this was just a family and six children. Now, fog of war, my friends, it is very difficult to know for sure. And I'm not as much as I, I, I can complain about all of these past administrations, going back to Bush and what they've been doing in the Middle East. We don't know for sure. And I think it would be wrong to immediately jump to conclusions before we have anything hard and definitive. But I don't know if we'll ever get anything hard and definitive out of this stuff. It's, it's really it's fog of war. Look, the U.S. has interests in toning down the, the crisis because they don't want to look bad. And certainly the Taliban wants it to be that children were attacked so they can blame the United States and make us look bad. And ultimately, you're just trying to figure out who to trust. The images coming out of this are haunting, to say the least. Timcast.com has the reporting. Nine members of a single family, including six children, were, were killed in the U.S. drone strike near the Kabul airport on Sunday. The children ranged from two to 10 years old. U.S. Central Command had said that the drone strike wiped out a vehicle that was carrying multiple suicide bombers who posed an imminent ISIS-K threat to the airport. Quote, we are aware of reports of civilian casualties following our strike on a vehicle in Kabul today. We are still assessing the results of this strike, which we know disrupted an imminent ISIS-K threat to the airport. Captain Bill Urban, USN, U.S. Central Command spokesman, said in a statement, we know that there were substantial and powerful subsequent explosions resulting from the destruction of the vehicle, indicating a large amount of explosive material inside that may have caused additional casualties. Urban concluded, quote, it is unclear what may have happened, and we are investigating further. We would be deeply saddened by any potential loss of innocent life. A brother of one of the people killed in the strike told CNN 
that they were an ordinary family that did not have ties to terrorist organizations. Quote, we are not ISIS or Daesh, Daesh. And this was a family home where my brothers lived with their families, he told the network. Photos from the scene were posted to social media. I, I'm, I'm for obvious reasons, I'm not going to be showing those photos. But this is confirmed reporting. This is from CNN. OK, we are not just pulling this out of nowhere. This is of all the outlets to be making the Biden administration look really, really bad right now. It says a lot, doesn't it? But it does say a lot. It says, for one, the loyalties of CNN probably lie more with massive multinational corporations and nation building, military industrial complex, profit building, et cetera, et cetera. Here's the reporting from CNN. Nine members of one family were killed in a U.S. drone strike targeting a vehicle in a residential neighborhood of Kabul, according to a relative of those killed. Now, hold on. It's from CNN. It's a, it's a relative reporting this. Maybe it's not true. Who is this individual? They say those, but, but CNN is reporting this as definitive. They say those killed included six children, the youngest being two, a two-year-old girl. The brother of one of the dead told a local journalist working with CNN. He said the people killed were his brother, Zamaray, 40 years old, Nasir, 30, Zamir, 20, Faisal, 10, Farzad, 9, Armin, 4, Benjamin, 3, Ayat, 2, and Sumaya, 2. The brother cried as he told the journalist that they were an ordinary family. CNN obtained images of the aftermath of the strike. A U.S. official confirmed the location in Kabul's Kajay Bagra neighborhood, Bagra, uh, hope I'm pronouncing that right. U.S. Central Command said earlier that they were assessing the possibilities of civilian casualties. A man named Ahad, who said he was a neighbor of the family, told CNN all the neighbors tried to help and brought water to put out the fire. And I saw that there were five or six people dead. The father of the family and another young boy, and there were two children. They were dead. They were in pieces. There were also two wounded. Ahad told CNN he had witnessed the airstrike at around 5 p.m. local time as he walked towards his home. He said he heard the noise of a rocket and a loud bang and ducked for cover before trying to help rescue his neighbors. Ahad told CNN that two other people were wounded in the attack. The U.S. military said in a statement, significant secondary explosions from the vehicle indicated the presence of a substantial amount of explosive material. A local journalist who visited the scene soon after the airstrike told CNN, whatever material was in the car, I don't know. The car was in a very bad state. Just a skeleton of the car was left. The journalist, who is not being named for security reasons, was told by family members of the deceased that there were two cars parked at the home. One was a Corona and the other was a Camry. The journalist said he'd been told that one of the cars contained one of the fathers and his three children getting ready to go to a family event. Now, it is difficult. It is. Who do you trust? Uh, do you trust the locals on the ground in Afghanistan who are saying more than one person that it was a family and children? Do you trust U.S. Central Command who is saying we are unclear? It is unclear as to what happened. I think we're going to have to err on the side of the U.S. just drone bombed a family. It's not the first time they've done this. And I have no reason to believe they are doing a good job. Based on everything we've seen so far, it appears to be chaos, catastrophe, and blunders all around. You look at what, what, what happened with the abandoning of Bagram Air Force Base, the, the loss of logistics. Now, some people are blaming Trump. They're saying in Trump's agreement, his peace treaty with the Taliban, that he agreed to withdraw logistics from the Afghan security forces. And Biden decided to stick to that plan. But that's just not true. Joe Biden did not stick to the original treaty, nor did the Taliban. Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S.? 
with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S., they have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. Fast-growing trees makes it easy to order online, and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. This spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code POOL at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using the code POOL at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code POOL. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. And therein lies the big problem. You can argue that... uh, the Taliban isn't adhering to the treaty. Biden didn't when he extended the deadline past May 1st, in which case, why? Well, first of all, why would we trust the Taliban not, uh, you know, to, to, to adhere to the, the treaty anyway? They ended up storming in and attacking as soon as they had the opportunity. So I'll tell you this. Everybody bears a little bit of the fault. Truth is, even if Trump did say we'll pull logistics based on what had happened, there's always the possibility Biden could have said no. But I will tell you, I will say in the end, I believe it is better that the U.S. leaves than stays. I, I absolutely do. I, I think, look, I was talking to Cassandra Fairbanks and uh, on the Tim Cassarrell show, and we were talking about China, the, the Uyghur camps and things like that. And I was saying like, look, you know, there's a hard line for us. Like, what do we do when we see these, these camps? Do we just leave these people to suffer? And Cassandra made it a very, very good point. There are countries all over the planet in which atrocities are currently being carried out and we never talk about them, and we don't do anything about them, and we don't care because the media doesn't propagandize this. And I said, it's a good point. There's a lot going on in northern Africa that we could absolutely be stopping, but we don't see that on the news. We don't hear these stories. We aren't told to be outraged by it. It's only when there's some strategic interest for the military industrial complex do we actually say, oh, okay, we're going to go and get involved, and we must do more. And now I'm seeing people post memes where they're like, you know, one, it's they deployed 26,000 troops to the capital for Trump supporters, but only 5,000 for our Americans trapped in Afghanistan. And I'm like, yeah, that's a tough call. Look, it's one thing for, to, to send in troops for nation building. It's another thing to send in troops to evacuate Americans. So I'm, I'm, I'm kind of there. I'm kind of, you know, Biden screwed this one up, but I don't think we can just abandon Americans because our, 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 our priorities are not to the Taliban first. The Taliban may be upset that we didn't get out right away, but our allegiances right now are to getting these Americans out. Reports are that American citizens are being turned away at the airport. Yeah. Tucker Carlson says he thinks Joe Biden was doing this on purpose or that he entertains the possibility. I don't don't want to put words in his mouth. And it really does make you wonder. I'm sorry, my friends. I love America. I really, really do. I've been all over the world. And to to shout out Bill Maher, who talked about this on his show this past weekend, he said liberal conservatives are Trump waving zealots who love America and cry at the anthem and everything like that. But liberals have gone completely the other direction, thinking America is awful and evil. And he says, why do you think it is that Afghan mothers are handing their babies to us? Because they know what America is. They know what America means. And they know that this is a chance for their child to have a life better than what would happen in Afghanistan. 
because America is awesome. But you know what? With all that being said, I have to look at what goes on with the military industrial complex, nation building and Joe Biden and tell you this. We are being led, ruled by, you know, I call these people ghouls, but ghouls tend to be a bit mindless, more like licks, a lich, liches, not licks, liches. Is that the right word? Yeah, they're undead and depraved, but they aren't stupid. They're just depraved, evil and self-interested. You ready for this, my friends? You ready to really get into the level of depravity? Okay. Mom of Marine who, who died in Kabul says, Biden voters killed my son. Ma'am, your son had a lot of trust in the chain of command, in the president, and he fulfilled his duty honorably and admirably, knowing the risks. I have tremendous and absolute respect for that. You know, there's one thing I, uh, uh, if there's one thing I really do admire, it's loyalty. Absolutely. You know, there's, there's a, loyalty is, is something powerful and fantastic that we trust each other, that we would fight for each other and that we would never abandon each other, but you can lose trust. And with that, you don't deserve someone's loyalty, but I do respect it. And it's sad because I feel this is the fault of Biden and he is costing us the lives of our, our, our best and bravest. Certainly, I would, would not enlist into combat to go to Kabul. I don't know what to say about it. These people are, are, are you know, I, I hate to be cliche and say something like heroes, but many of these people are brave and the bravest we could possibly get who are smart, passionate, and say, I want to do something good. And the problem is we have a corrupt machine sending our, our best and brightest into conflict, and that is horrifying because it, it means that those, the, the rest of us, those who are unwilling to fight are who are left behind. And that means as time goes on, well, what do they say? Strong men make good times. Good times make weak men. Weak men make hard times. Hard times make strong men. So I think about that. And there are certainly strong people in this country who have not served. Don't get me wrong. And that's good and important for us. But I wonder if each and every day we send our bravest, our brightest, our strongest, and most heroic into conflict where they lose their lives, then we are effectively selecting out that passion and that bravery and responsibility from the general population. You know, it is what it is. But let me tell you about the depravity, because I want to say to, to those who lost their lives, I have the utmost and, and most profound respect for these individuals. Take a look at what Joe Biden thinks. Biden ripped for apparently glancing at his watch during a ceremony for fallen troops. Yeah, I almost threw up on my mouth a little bit when I saw that one. You know, I, I'm, I'm nearly brought to tears when I, when I, heard, when I first heard about these, uh, these young men and women who stayed at the border defending the airport to make sure that our allies could be evacuated. Not even Americans who were warned to stay away. But they said we care more about others than, than our, own, our own lives. Of course, they care about their lives. But they, they felt the good in saving these people was more than themselves. And Joe Biden, he takes a look at his watch. <laughs> How long is this going to be? Jeez, <laughs> love to get back and get some ice cream. Sit in my little chair in the sunroom. It's a little blanket on my lap. Fall asleep because that's what this this you know this means to him. There are photos of him at a podium and he's looking somber and nearly in tears. And I just don't buy it. 
I really don't, because these candid moments are when you really see how someone feels. Yeah, Biden can put on a show. He's a politician. That's what they do. And then when Biden is actually at the ceremony, he's like, how much longer is this going to take? Jeez, I don't even care about these people. Right, right, Biden, right, Biden. You know, these, they, there was a warning given out. This is what I, I want to know. This is what I want someone to ask, you know, Jen Psaki or, or whoever's the press briefing. A warning was given out to Americans and British citizens that an attack was imminent and to stay away. And even with our, our, the, our American citizens being pushed away, the Afghan allies were still coming through and being processed for evacuation. And these Marines stayed and were checking information, knowing the, the warning went out. So we knew it was so dangerous that our own citizens shouldn't come. But we also felt like our men and women in uniform should work the checkpoint. And that, I think that's honorable. Not what the command, command did, but that these men and women were like, we're going to keep working the checkpoint and getting these people in. And then someone attacked. Now, I, I'm, I'm concerned that there may be more attacks. Absolutely. And, you know, we hear about this ISIS-K. But you know what? I do not trust the military industrial complex. I do not believe them. I believe you look at how awful and failed all of this has been. And you've got people in media saying, this is funny, they're like, what are they really, compl-? All, the, all the Democrat media are like, what are they really complaining about? The media is being unfair to Joe Biden. Unfair. We're dealing with, what, 60 Afghan civilian deaths, children, 13 U.S. service members, a drone strike killing children. You see, this is the problem. This is the problem that we've been facing for so long. And Americans are finally paying attention to it. Maybe it's a good thing. Maybe this will snap people out of it and they'll start saying, yo, man, we should just leave other people alone and mind our own business the way the founding fathers intended. But at some point we became the, we, we became the world police. At some point, our, our currency backed by nothing became the reserve currency of the world. And it was at that point, I believe the founding fathers vision was trampled over and smashed by a boot because people didn't know and people didn't care. And so what do you do now? I think we maintain our positions of liberty and uh, I'm not, no, not, no isolationism. No, I'm not for that. I, I, you know, a lot of people are, some friends of mine are, I'm not. No, I, I'm, I'm a bit of middle road, middle of the road kind of guy. You know, I think we need to be working with our allies. We need these trade agreements. We need certain resources that are available in other countries, you know, like raw materials that we can have shipped here and things like that. We want to create more ties with other countries while making sure that the bulk of our spending, that the revenue from our citizens is going towards helping the people in this country. And then once we have secured our own face mask, we can worry about the face mask of those sitting next to us. We can bring in many more people who want to immigrate to this country, and we can use our resources to expand the economy, make this country stronger and better, to instill our values in those who would come and say, this is why America is great. Instead, we prove over and over again the problems of America. Because this drone strike in Afghanistan, I tell you this, is going to create bigger problems. It'll create more ISIS. It'll create more Al-Qaeda. And now we are getting insane reports, the absolutely insane reports, that a major Al-Qaeda player has returned to Afghanistan, returns to his native Nangahar province after it fell to the Taliban. Dr. Amin uh, became close to Osama bin Laden in the 80s when he worked with Ab uh, Abdullah Azam in Maktaba, 
Akhidmat. Probably pronouncing that wrong. I'm not going to pretend to be an expert on all this stuff. I, I don't know. You know, there's a lot of stuff I don't know about this. It might be easy for me to sit here with, well, well I have no armchairs, but uh, to sit here and be like, they should have done this. I have never served in the military, but I would have evacuated better. And I can just repeat what other experts have said, flabbergasted, why we abandoned Bagram Air Force Base, in which case I'm like, you know, I think at this point it is fair for, you know, John Doe and, and Joe Smith and Jane Doe or whatever and Jane Smith sitting there in their lounge chairs in their living room watching Fox News or CNN to say, I could have done a better job than this. Because there's been way too many blunders, way too many. That's the sad reality of war, my friends. But we got a lot of news today. We got a lot of news. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all then. You may have heard the story about Lieutenant Colonel Stuart Scheller, who is speaking out about what's going on in Afghanistan and demanding accountability for the disaster. Well, the news over the past weekend was that he was relieved of duties. We're now hearing that he will be resigning his commission. And even creepier still, there are implications the government is going to go after him for his mental health. Zernovich calls this like the Stalinist approach. So we'll take a look at all this. But let's just get started with the news for those that may not have seen it, because I think this is extremely important. And we do have more information on what's happening with Afghanistan and why this lieutenant colonel is correct and should be applauded for speaking up. Now, there are there are some considerations here. You know, we need a cohesive and unified armed forces. If people start speaking up in criticism, it will absolutely be used by our enemies. And of course, China is using it already. The problem is, though, when you have a failed and fractured administration, weak leadership like Mark Milley and his white rage complaints, someone needs to speak up. Otherwise, it just falls apart. What are we going to do? Ignore the problems until it's too late? No. They may see, you know, China may seize on this, but I respect this man for speaking up. The story from TimCast.com. Marine says he was relieved of duty over viral video calling for military leaders to be held accountable for Kabul attack. Lieutenant Colonel Stuart Scheller says that he was relieved of duty over his viral video calling for, you know, over the deaths of these Marines and servicemen. Scheller says that he knew one of the Marines who died in the attack by ISIS-K. In the viral video, Lieutenant Colonel Scheller said that people are upset because senior leaders let them down and none of them are raising their hands and accepting accountability or saying we messed this up. Quote, did any of you throw your rank on the table and say, hey, it's a bad idea to evacuate Bagram Airfield, a strategic airbase before we evacuate everyone? Did anyone do that? And when you didn't think to do that, did anyone raise their hand and say we completely messed this up? He asked. Potentially all those people did die in vain. If we don't have senior leaders that own up and raise their hand and say, we did not do this well in the end. Scheller, battalion commander for the Advanced Infantry Training Battalion, went on to say, without that, the higher military ranks are not holding up to their end of the bargain. I want to say this very strongly. I have been fighting for 17 years. I'm willing to throw it all away to say to my senior leaders, I demand accountability. On Friday, the officer announced that he had been relieved of duty because of the video, but stated that he understood and respected the decision. Quote, This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. 
Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. To all my friends across the social networks, I've been relieved for cause based on a lack of trust and confidence as of 1430 today. My chain of command is doing exactly what I would do if I were in their shoes. I appreciate the opportunities AITB command provided to all the news agencies asking for interviews. I will not be making any statements other than what's on my social platforms until I exit the Marine Corps. Scheller says that he has served for 17 years and is looking forward to what, to what will come next for him. Well, the latest news we have from just the other day is that he has announced I'm resigning my commission. I would absolutely love to have Stu Scheller on Timcast IRL whenever he is available to speak. Uh, you know, once he's out of the Marine Corps, that'd be, that would be great. A Marine officer who filmed, and we, I, I can only assume that we probably disagree on a lot of things, but these are important conversations, especially when you have brave men and women, absolutely brave men and women who serve in the armed forces, willing to speak up and speak about what's happening. I think we need to, we need to hear their thoughts and opinions based on their experience with Iraq and Afghanistan. Regardless of what they serve there, I think the opinions of the people who are actually serving are uh, weighted more heavily than people like me, for, for sure. So that'd be fantastic. They're going to say... Lieutenant uh, Colonel Stu Scheller was dismissed Friday from command on the Advanced Infantry Training Battalion at Camp Lejeune, North Carolina, over the original video. In the new one, he claims he is not currently under investigation and that he likely would be allowed to ride out his remaining three years until retirement if he chose to stay silent. I don't think that's the path I'm on, he says in the video. A shot inside an abandoned school bus in eastern North Carolina. I'm resigning my commission as a United States Marine effective now. And I am forfeiting my retirement, all entitlements. I don't want a single dollar. Wow, man. You know, bravo. Absolutely, bravo. With, with, with respect, that's a lot to give up. Absolutely. He then suggests that senior military leaders would need the money for jobs and security after what he intends to do, though he does not provide further details. Oof. The Marine Corps is taking appropriate actions to ensure the safety and well-being of Lieutenant Colonel Scheller and his family. The service spokesman, Captain Sam Stevenson, in an email, uh, said in an email statement, as this, is developing, as this is a developing situation, we cannot comment further at this time. I really want you to stop and think about what they just said. They're taking appropriate action to ensure the safety and well-being of Scheller and his family. Interesting. In this tweet, Paul McCleary says, USMC says tonight they're taking appropriate action to ensure the safety and well-being of Lieutenant Colonel Scheller and his family, indicating concern over his mental health. Perhaps, perhaps that's just, um, I don't know, maybe shooting from the knee. We'll see. But I kind of agree with that. It sounds like they're going after his, his state of mind. Cernovich says this is how Stalin did it. If you dissent from the regime, scientists declare you insane and incarcerate you for your own protection. This is creepy stuff. They say the nearly five minute clip viewed about a million times on Facebook and LinkedIn combined as of Sunday and touched a nerve within the military and veterans community. Some have praised his courage to challenge the brass at the risk of his career. Others criticized him for grandstanding or sowing dissent. Blatantly using rank does cross a line, said Jim Golby, a 20 year Jim Golby, a 20 year army veteran an adjunct senior fellow at the Center for a New American Security who focuses on civil military relations. A battalion commander, quote, just doesn't have all the info that senior military or civilian leaders do. I can respect that to an extent. You know, I'll say it of myself. We, we you, I, and all these other civilians and people watching on the news think we know what's going on. We got no idea. 
the stuff coming out from the press is probably a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of what's really going on. And you've got all these different interests trying to sow doubt and dissent and confusion. It is very, very difficult. We do our best, though. We want to criticize what we think is wrong when it is wrong. And while this man may not have all the information, I think when you look at the, the, the abandoning of Bagram Air Force Base, you better justify something like that. And they didn't. Mark Milley just said, well, I, I was told to guard the embassy. There it is. Look, I understand the idea of classified information, but you could at least try to justify it, right? Unless they want us to be mad at them, which to me is absolutely crazy. And I'll tell you, we got some news that will light a fire under all of you. It is going to infuriate you. Something I've been talking about. We'll, we'll, we'll read a little bit more. They say, Golby hoped someone would convince Yeller to seek mental health treatment and get out of the spotlight quickly. I find it very sad and misguided. There it is. How dare you speak out against us, even when they fail. You know what they say? Snitches get stitches. In this case, snitches get sent to the psych ward. It's not clear what the new consequences, he, uh, what, what new consequences he could face. But Golby said the Corps will need to be careful not to cement him as a martyr among those who would use him divisively. He's been celebrated by some on the right to further demonize, uh, some on the right, quote, to further demonize my husband and justify the vitriol he endured. Rachel Vindman, wife of uh, Army Lieutenant Colonel Alexander Vindman, said in a, uh, a tweet Sunday. This is, this is amazing. One person tweeted what Jim said. He can be misguided, derelict Marine, and still need our compassion. We are better than our enemies. Rachel Vindman said, I like you and I like Jim, so I'll sit this one out because he has been celebrated by the crazies who are using it as an opportunity to further demonize my husband and justify the vitriol he endured. Once wasn't enough for him. He had to lean in all the way. Let me just slow down for a second. Donald Trump made a phone call about legitimate concerns Americans had pertaining to Ukraine. Real concerns that journalist Matt Taibbi even, well, I shouldn't say he, his reporting in my opinion, justifies. And this is all related to Burisma. Joe Biden's son being on the board of a company had no business being on. I get it. That's all opinion, but it's my opinion. And I think it's yours and many others. And we're allowed to have them. Joe Biden's son has no business being on the board of a Ukrainian energy company. Not to mention there were numerous investigations. And regardless of what you think about all of these investigations, Joe Biden went to Ukraine and said, if you don't fire the prosecutor, you don't get the money. Quid pro quo. And Vindman comes out and he complains about this. And we're supposed to act like that's heroic. Bro, you may have just stopped a legitimate corruption investigation. Who are you? Now, as for Scheller, yes, please, by all means, criticize the man. He even said that when it came to the, the reaction to, to relieve him of duty, he would have done the same thing because we recognize there are certain reasons why we have these, these, these policy positions in place. But to com compare yourself or your husband to a man who's angry that 13 U.S. Uh, troops had, I think it's 14 now, actually, it may have gone up, maybe even 15, that these people have lost their lives is so dramatically different from Donald Trump calling and saying, we need to look into this. What was that all about? They blew that out of proportion impeached Trump and failed to convict. Why? Because it was bull crap. Because Donald Trump had a legitimate concern. A video went viral. In the video, Joe Biden says, if you don't fire the prosecutor, you don't get the money. And they accused Trump of the quid pro quo. 
even when Sondland testified, Trump told me, I don't want anything. I don't want a quid pro quo. They still claimed it. And I think it was CBS. I have the, I have the Instagram post where they're like, Sondland confirms it because in his opinion, it felt like one, even though Trump said no. That's the dirty game they play. How dare you compare yourself to someone who's speaking out about the failures that resulted in 13, 14, maybe dead service members. Not the same thing. Now, I don't think, you know, Vindman deserves all of this like mudslinging and threats and all that stuff. Absolutely not. I mean, if the dude thought he was doing something good, by all means, I don't. I think he was misguided and anti-Trump. And so he just threw whatever he could. And I think it was a it was a, it was a huge blunder. But we shouldn't we should be nicer to people. That's that's fair. But don't compare yourself to someone who's criticizing this, you know, the, the death of service members. Why? Let me show you this from, from the Politico. Pentagon prepared for mass casualty attack at Kabul airport hours before explosion. Detailed notes of three classified calls provided to Politico show top Pentagon officials knew of imminent threat, but struggled to close Abbey Gate. This one makes me angry. Makes me angry, my friends. Let me read. You got to hear this. Just 24 hours before a suicide bomber detonated an explosive outside Hamid Karzai International Airport, senior military leaders gathered for the Pentagon's daily morning update on the deteriorating situation in Afghanistan. Speaking speaking from a secure video conference room on the third floor of the Pentagon at 8 a.m., Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin instructed more than a dozen of the department's top leaders around the world to make preparations for an imminent mass casualty event, according to classified detail notes of the gathering shared with Politico. During the meeting, meeting, General Mark Milley, the chair of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, warned of significant intelligence indicating that the Islamic State's Afghanistan affiliate was planning a complex attack. The notes quoted him as saying, commanders calling in from Kabul relayed the Abbey Gate, where American citizens had been told to gather in order to gain entrance to the airport was the highest risk and detailed their plans to protect the airport. I don't believe people get the incredible amount of risk on the ground, Austin said, according to the classified notes. On a separate call at four that afternoon or 1230 a.m. in Kabul, the commanders detailed a plan to close Abbey Gate by Thursday afternoon, Kabul time. But the Americans decided to keep the gate open longer than they wanted in order to allow their British allies, who had accelerated their withdrawal timeline, to continue evacuating their personnel based at the nearby Barron Hotel. American troops were still processing entrance at the airport at Abbey Gate at roughly 6 p.m. in Kabul when a suicide bomber detonated his explosive vest there, killing nearly 200 people, including 13 U.S. service members. They could have shut it down. They didn't shut it down. They knew this was going to happen. They had the intelligence. Why? They were, the Americans were told to stay away. So now we're learning, oh, but with British allies, I respect the Brits. You know, I, wa- I want them and the Afghan allies to be saved. But you tell the Americans, back off. Something bad's going to go down. And then I think this is hilarious. You know, I don't, I don't mean in like a good way. I think it's like, it's, it's, it's absurd to the max. We tell the Brits, don't worry, you can come on in. We tell our Afghan allies, oh, it's fine. Come on in. We know there's going to be an attack. We could shut it down right now. No, we're going to leave it open. And what happened? Exactly what they knew was going to happen. Exactly what they knew was going to happen. I shouldn't be, I shouldn't be doing a segment on this. I should be talking about something dumb. You know, some, some stupid culture war nonsense. I should be talking about, oh, you know, this Democrat did this, that, or otherwise. How about that? But this is, this is, the, this, this is the news that we get. In the week before the attack, Joe Biden and top administration officials repeatedly spoke in public about the general threat ISIS posed to the airport. 
Biden even cited that threat as a reason not to extend the military mission beyond the 31st. The president warned this weekend that an additional ISIS attack was highly likely, so we may see more. This account of the internal conversations among top Pentagon leaders in the House hours leading up to the attack at the airport is based on classified notes from three separate calls provided to Politico and interviews with two defense officials with direct knowledge of the calls. Politico is withholding information from the Pentagon readouts that could affect ongoing military operations at Kabul airport. The transcript of these three conference calls, authenticated by a defense official, details conversations among the highest levels of Pentagon leadership. It makes clear that top officials were raising alarm bells and preparing for a potential attack that they had narrowed down to a handful of possible targets in a 24 to 48 hour time frame. Projections that ended up being deadly accurate. And they kept our troops standing there. You want to know why I'm really, really mad? Look, I heard it all my life. The, the troops are heroes and don't blame the troops and all that stuff. And I'm like, I get it. But you know what the, the, the reality of this is? I get it. We respect the troops. But we're talking about brave, responsible, disciplined young people. We're talking about expecting fathers and mothers. Well, not mothers, but expecting fathers, right? The, the, I don't believe the women who were there were uh, currently pregnant. But uh, uh, one, I, I believe at least one of the troops had recently become a father or there was someone who was about to be a father. These are young people, our best and our brightest, who should be leading this nation with their experience. And the top brass, the bureaucrats, the woke narcissists like Millie, they keep the best of the best in the most dangerous places. And that infuriates me because I'm worried about where we go if we, if we, if we keep things like this up. I, I am worried about what this means. This, this is nasty stuff. That, that's why what Scheller has, has, has done, speaking up, is, is just, he's spot on. You know, I, I'm not going to pretend to have classified information. But here's, here's a guy who says, I'm going to risk everything. I'm going to resign and give up everything to speak out. And I hope he succeeds from it. Because we need more people to be brave. Take a look at what happens with Project Veritas. When people come out and blow the whistle, they blow the whistle, and then James will launch a fundraiser for them, often netting them a large sum of money to help keep them well-fed, protected, and uh, secure in their, in their person, in their lives, after taking such a huge risk. Now, this guy Scheller is speaking up, calling out the top brass and knowing it's ending his career. So I hope he succeeds from it. Oh, of course, the left will just call it a grift. See, he knew he could make money. You would give up your career. Now, we're talking about a career where you're passionate about, where you've dedicated 17 years of your life, and you could end up making a substantial sum of money staying in that career. No, it's a great risk, a serious risk. There are many people who have blown the whistle or spoken up at their work, and now they're in the gutter. Nowhere to be found. People forgot about them. Don't care. It's a it, it, it is dangerous to yourself to take a risk and speak up, but you got to be brave. Because if everyone stood up and spoke out, if everybody who saw some kind of malfeasance or corporate corruption went to Project Veritas and said, this is criminal, this is unethical, within, within the law, I'm, I'm not saying give up classified stuff, I think the world would be a better place. I think the only reason we have this broken and corrupt system with this, the military operating the way it does with these failures of Afghanistan is because people don't speak up and speak out. And it's because the people know that if they fail, they'll fail up. Nobody wants to call anybody out because no one wants to put themselves at risk. There is no cohesive structure by which we operate anymore. People are just saying, you know what? You know, it's bad. But if I rock the boat, then I won't get a promotion. So how about that? You see what happens. This dude, for doing the right thing, loses everything. 
Shouldn't it be the opposite? Shouldn't you be rewarded for doing the right thing? It's tough. I'm not going to pretend like it's cut and dry. I mean, this guy speaks out and it, has ca- it, it can cause uh, problems. Let me check this out. China seizes on Stuart Scheller firing as evidence of U.S. military's low morale. I don't know if that matters. Do we really care what China thinks? No. <laughs> I mean, we want our military to, to be stronger and have good morale. But I'll tell you this, if anything's weakened the morale of the, of the U.S. military, it's Joe Biden. Chinese state media claimed the firing of Marine Corps Lieutenant Colonel Stuart Scheller is evidence of increasingly low morale in the U.S. military. They're going to mention, you know, what Scheller posted. We know this. The Global Times, which is Chinese state propaganda, said Scheller's dismissal indicates that U.S. military leadership is unwilling to listen to any suggestions or dissatisfaction, nor willing to admit or correct any of their strategic mistakes. Instead, they spare no efforts to shun their responsibility. This will inevitably bring more disasters. You know what's funny? Lu Xu wrote, he's right. Just because it's Chinese propaganda doesn't mean it's wrong. It means that they're going to try and just highlight all of the worst possible things about the U.S. Are they going to talk bad about China? What about when a chi- someone in the Chinese Communist Party speaks up? What about Jack Ma? Oh, he's, he's gone. They stripped him of his wealth and access and resources. Yeah, we get it. You th- you're going to try and you know, pretend like you're better. No, we'll call you out, China. We get it. But the reality is, it doesn't mean it's wrong. It doesn't mean he's wrong. I, I believe that U.S. military leadership is unwilling. I, I, I have, I, I have, I, look, I've not served in the military. I know many people. And it really does seem like it's got problems with people not wanting to rock the boat. And if you won't rock the boat, then, I mean, sometimes you, the boat rocks when you kick someone off it. You're sitting there about to take off from shore, and there's somebody you know is causing serious problems, and you're just like, yeah, but throwing them off would rock the boat. People will get mad about that. So we'll leave him. Then he sinks the boat. You got to get him off the boat. It's that simple. Now we got China making fun of us. Come on. He said, it signals that senior leaders attach little significance to the safety of these lower ranked officers and soldiers as the latter will continue to face more threats. Liu wrote that the misjudgments of top U.S. military commanders will result in troops low morale in carrying out the mission. The writer argued that America's debacle in Afghanistan will make more U.S. soldiers and lower ranked officers realize the folly of military leadership. I agree. I think China's awful. And I think just because they're a bad person doesn't mean that their point is wrong. We, we see that they, they knew about this and they said, eh, keep, keep the troops down there. Who cares? I, I, I'm sure that's a little cold. I'm sure they were like, well, you know, it would be really bad if something bad happens to them. But they knew it was coming. They told Americans to stay away. They decided to keep the gate open longer than they were supposed to. If they had, ta- if they had closed the gate as per planned, they'd still be able to reopen later. Maybe the attack wouldn't have even happened. But I'll tell you one thing. These service members would be alive. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcast. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. In what may be one of the most shocking displays of authoritarianism we have seen yet, a judge has taken away custody from a mother of her child for not being vaccinated. Now, this story isn't so simple to say that, well, she was ignoring the science and putting her child at risk. No, that's not the case. You see, this was a child support hearing, not a custody hearing. And the judge abruptly asks the mother if she has been vaccinated, to which she responds that due to adverse effects from previous vaccination, her doctor has advised her not to get the vaccine. 
This isn't the case of a mother simply saying, I don't want to get it. This was her saying, well, my doctor says I can't, which is a reality for many people. You must ask your doctor what makes sense for you. But because this woman's doctor gave her sound medical advice for her life, the judge ruled that she would lose custody rights of her own child. Now, this is not a case of the state just taking the child and putting it into foster care. This is the case of the, of the state seizing the child from the mother and giving it to the father. It's a bit better than putting the kid in foster care, but it's still authoritarian nonetheless, and one of the most shocking stories we've seen. However, my friends, this segment I am producing is not about the bad news. It's about the line being crossed. In New York City, for example, there is no religious or medical exemption. That means if you are disabled or for religious reasons unable to get the vaccine, you will be terminated from your job, ineligible for employment, and unable to use public accommodation. This is beyond reprehensible. It is beyond standard discrimination. And I can only see it as a violation of the ADA, the Americans with Disabilities Act. Some people are medically unable. What are we supposed to do? Just excise them from society through no fault of their own? I won't stand for that. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. But as I said, there's good news here because the resistance has formed. It is large. It is angry and it's growing around the world. People are protesting these vaccine vaccine mandates in European countries, in Australia, in Canada, and all across the U.S. You need only Google search vaccine mandate protest, and the stories are nearly limitless. I pulled up as many as I can, and I got to be honest, it's hard to track all of the different cities and states where people are rising up and saying no, but more so than just regular people saying no. Nurses, doctors, firefighters, emergency medical service, and police in Chicago and New York City saying no. You know, my issue is with the mandates is that your life, this is your life. You have to decide based on advice from your trusted doctor what to do with your health. The state should not be telling you what to do with your body. Uh Uh-oh, here come all of the angry leftists in favor of government authoritarianism to tell me something about pro-lifers. That ain't me. Never has been. And everybody knows it, much to the angry comments that I get all the time for having a more libertarian position, although I will admit ethically challenging position. I believe the state should not be intervening in medical decisions, and I have always felt that way. But now the despots, the petty tyrants who would tell you the state should have no say in your private medical decisions are now are now cheering for judges and and law enforcement and governments mandating something with no medical exemptions. It may be New York City today, but I assure you this thing is spreading. There still is an opportunity to resist it. And these people are. 
We have already seen many government officials back down from certain restrictions because the people said no. And you know how they did it? Nonviolent civil disobedience, mass noncompliance, peaceful resistance. It works. Let's read this first story. Before we do, head over to TimCast.com and become a member in order to get access to exclusive members-only segments on the TimCast IRL podcast, as well as an advertisement-free experience on the website, and you'll be supporting our fierce and independent journalists. We got a heck of a doozy. One story that I think you'll really want to be checking out, a Moderna vaccine truck crashed in West Virginia. Hazmat crews were dispatched. Airspace was shut down. It doesn't seem to be that big of a deal, but it's interesting nonetheless. The hazmat was in response to what they say was fuel and oil leaking out, which is standard protocol. I don't want people to be freaking out, but it's good journalism. And you'll see the the amount of uh, due diligence put in to getting the facts and calling the DOD, calling these organizations to get quotes. But now let's oh, and don't forget, like the video, subscribe to the channel, give a good review on the podcast, all that stuff. Let's read the news, the shocking news first from USA Today. Chicago judge rules mom cannot see her 11-year-old son because she's not vaccinated. A judge in Chicago barred Rebecca Furlitt, the mother of an 11-year-old boy, from partial parental custody parental custody uh, of seeing her son because she is not vaccinated for COVID-19. Furlitt is appealing the decision, claiming the judge was placing his views onto her. Quote, I've had adverse reactions to vaccines in the past and was advised not to get vaccinated by my doctor. It poses a risk, Furlitt told the Chicago Sun-Times. I was confused because the hearing was just supposed to be about expenses and child support. I asked him what it had to do with the hearing, and he said, I am the judge, and I make the decisions for your case. Furlitt's lawyer, Annette Fer- Fernholtz, told several Chicago media outlets that her client and ex-husband have been divorced for seven years, now sharing custody, and that the ex-husband did not address the lack of vaccination as an issue. Cook County Judge James Shapiro asked Furlitt during a child support hearing over Zoom if she was vaccinated. Upon her answer of no, the judge stripped her of all parenting rights until she receives the vaccination. Receives a vaccination in violation of her own doctor's orders? Now that is twisted. If the state can mandate a medical procedure in in defiance of your doctor, imagine where that goes next. Has your appendix been removed? No, my doctor says it doesn't need to be. Well, I'm taking your kids until it does. Because just imagine, what if in the middle of the night you wake up with stomach pains and you rush to the hospital? Who would look after your children? It's vestigial anyway. Get it taken out. No, I get it. Vaccines are a minor and albeit safe medical procedure. At least that's the the general consensus. But that's why I am not going to advise you on what to do and think you need to make those decisions and talk with people you know and trust, medical professionals that help your family. I may have opinions you don't like, but the one opinion we can agree on is I'm not going to tell you what to do with your life because I don't know your medical history and I don't want to know your private details because some people may be embarrassed by this. And people in general, all people have a right to privacy when it comes to medical issues. Quote, the trial court clearly exceeded its authority in sua sponte by its own accord, suspending the mother's parenting time when the issue before the court was child support. Attorney Fernholz told Fox 32 in Chicago, the father did not bring this issue before the court. 
Furlitt told the Sun-Times that she talks to her son every day over the phone. He cries. He misses me. I send him care packages. The father's attorney, Jeffrey M. Leving, said he supported the judge's decision. There are children who have died because of COVID. I think every child should be safe. And I agree the mother should be vaccinated. Amazing. Her doctor said no. What business is that of a judge in a child support hearing? They're going to say nationwide hospitals are reporting an increase in pediatric COVID-19 cases as the Delta variant spreads. And, the, and health officials have urged those who are eligible to get vaccinated to protect others who cannot. Ultimately, I'll tell you where I end up. As I've stated, I think it's fine. And there are some people, uh, I think it's safe and fine. And there's some people who don't like that. I'm not here to get into a debate about whether or not you like vaccines or not. I ain't a doctor, you see? And so people like commenting, saying Tim keeps advising us to go talk to somebody else. <laughs> Why would you get advice from me? I'm a dude talking on the internet in, in a room with a bunch of windows. and I can see trees and mountains. I have opinions on liberty, freedom, human rights, the Constitution, and we can have discussions about other things. But I can't advise you on financial issues or legal matters or medical issues, and neither should a judge be allowed to violate those same tenets? Imagine if the judge said, I hereby order you to put all of your money from your 401k into waffles. <laughs> Bangs the gavel. You'd be like, what? You can't do that. I hereby instruct you to, to, to fire your lawyer and hire the one I want. No, you can't do that either. There are certain lines we don't cross when it comes to giving advice. And there are certainly a lot of crackpots who want to give you advice. So I'm not here to give you advice on any of those in any of those regards. Now, I will certainly maybe give advice in like if I'm saying something like people should sue, they should fight back. Yeah, that's a bit different from different from saying you should invoke a certain legal defense or this is your path forward. I'll talk about myself when it comes to medical or financial issues. I avoid that stuff. Now it's heating up out there, my friends. Check this out. NYPD's largest police union vows to sue over possible COVID vaccine mandate. Possible. Oh, man, what's going on? The Big Apple's largest union told its members Wednesday that it would sue the city if cops are required to get the vaccine. If the city attempts to impose a vaccine mandate on PBA members, we will take legal action to defend our members' right to have such personal medical decisions. Police Benevolent Association President Patrick Lynch wrote in an email. Well, hold on there, mister. I thought de Blasio already mandated all businesses and all employees and all persons must be vaccinated by September 13th. You mean to tell me the police are not currently under that restriction or that mandate? Amazing how they do that, isn't it? The, the announcement comes on the heels of Mayor Bill de Blasio's announcement requiring all New York City school staffers get the jab. As of this writing, the city has not indicated whether it will attempt to impose vaccine mandates on other city workers, including officers. The message to its members obtained by the Post is the first public comment the PBA has made about mandating the vaccine since cops were able to get immunized. The NYPD was one of the first groups eligible for the vaccination for the vaccine in January after all the city unions banded together and lobbied for cops to jump up in the line. You see how that makes sense? How they're like, yo, we want this to be available to first responders, to police officers. I respect that. They didn't come out and say everyone should be forced to get it. Because what if you can't? On September 13th, Unless something changes, you are going to see a wave of mass layoffs in New York City. I don't know what that number is. I looked into it. Apparently, the number of people in New York City who are considered disabled for one reason or another is about 
Of those who are disabled, it is probably a very small uh, percentage, a small faction that are disabled with something that would prevent vaccination. These are people who may have a history of anaphylaxis, adverse reactions, multiple sclerosis, epilepsy, uh, Guillain-Barre syndrome, things like that. Now, I don't know what the numbers would be. It's not something we can just easily extrapolate. We don't know the prevalence of each and every one of these disabilities. But the adverse reaction may not be listed as a disability anyway, but could be now considering some people may have just had very severe allergic reactions. The doctor says, no, it's not for you. And now these people will be terminated. So I simply say to all of those businesses in New York City propping up this mandate, I wonder what's more worrisome for you. A $250,000 fine for a willful violation of New York City human rights, particularly discriminating against people with disabilities, or the $1,000 fine. I get it. Rock in a hard place. Make your choice, I guess. Or you can get out of the cities. Now, it's more. It's more than just the police. Daily Mail reports more than a thousand anti-vaxxers march on New York City streets to protest de Blasio's vaccine mandate, which forces everyone 12 and older to show proof of vaccine to get into restaurants, bars, entertainment, and gyms. Anti-vaxxers. Isn't it funny how they say that? Anti-vaxxer used to mean somebody who just opposed vaccination in general. That's what it was. And, and there were online communities that were like ranting about just all sorts of things. And then there are people, for the most part, overwhelmingly, who love vaccines. Okay, maybe, maybe love is a strong word, but are, uh, have a general net positivity towards vaccination. You know, I, for instance... I think vaccines are some of the greatest technologies we have ever developed. I mean, you want to talk about some of the most important things you can get for the apocalypse, antiseptics, right? What happens if all of a sudden you're living in the middle of woods? You could stub your toe, got to chop your foot off. Nah, that's bad, right? Check it out. You got a bottle of Listerine lying around. You stub your toe, you splash it on there. Boom. Save your whole leg. Imagine if we had uh, antiseptics during, you know, in the Civil War, for instance, How many people wouldn't have lost limbs? It's interesting, you know, uh, infection. But beyond that comes vaccines. You see, the antiseptic can stop an infection. A vaccine can prevent it from even, you know, causing you any of the harm in the first place. Smallpox eliminated, polio eliminated. It's amazing, isn't it? And now we have people who are like, well, you know, I shouldn't be forced to get a medication. And I agree with that. It's none of the government's business. I certainly understand concerns about public health and what that means for for the greater uh, society at large. But I tell you this, for all the pros and cons, we are a nation that says you make your individual choices. If there's going to be a change, maybe have a vote on something. But to come out and force people, that's where the line gets crossed. Now, take a look at what's happening in New York City. A Manhattan restaurant said business dropped up to 25% in a week. And its owner blames the vaccine mandate. Business Insider reports, Art DePaul, who co-owns the Muya Burgers, Fries and Shakes restaurant in Times Square, told Insider the mandate was deterring people from visiting his establishment. This loss in business could cause his restaurant to raise prices. Under rules introduced last week, people need to provide proof of at least one COVID shot to eat in the restaurant. And, and this, um, this is not even in the article, I will say, and a photo ID. He said that he didn't think worries about the Delta variant could have caused the sudden drop because Delta cases were already high anyway. The previous week in which the Delta variant was still spreading was far better in sales than last week. I believe from speaking to people that it's more because of the mandate. The vaccine mandate was very polarizing in comparison with past mask mandates. 
Restaurants that voluntarily enforced their own vaccine mandates told Insider some customers had left bad reviews and threatened to spit on and cough on staff of the policy. Now, that is something you don't do. Look, don't use the worst examples to condemn literally everybody, right? But uh, I will say anybody who's starting to spit a cough on somebody yet, yeah, that's disgusting. <laughs> and you should be arrested if you do that. I'm not saying they should be thrown in prison, but spitting on people is a is battery in most places. You're like making physical contact with the intent to cause some kind of harm. Quote, I never had one incident with a customer who gave me a hard time when they were asked to wear a mask. DePaul said he understood the reasoning behind the vaccine mandate, but that the restaurant industry was the easy target and being unfairly picked on. We're being singled out as someone who has to enforce this mandate while other large retailers aren't having to go through the same type of requirements that we that we are to allow customers to enter. Well, I'll tell you this. You want to know who's at fault? You, you think I'm going to come out here and blame Bill de Blasio? You'd be wrong. Absolutely wrong. One man saying words is meaningless to me. Now, I get it. If someone incites violence or a mob, we'll hold them accountable. And Bill de Blasio should be held accountable, removed from office, impeached, whatever. But each and every one of these individuals who uphold this discriminatory policy in violation of the law, that's on you. You make that choice. And they say, oh, but the government's coercing me. It's okay. Well, tell that to a judge. The government coerced you. And maybe you will avoid the $250,000 fine for your willful violation of human rights. This is true in New York City. If you discriminate against someone on the basis of a medical disability, willfully $250,000 fine. I'm sure when you go to court or when you're being challenged over this, you can simply say I was coerced and it was entrapment. Or let's be fair. If the city's mandating it, they might, they probably wouldn't fine you for that. But would New York State? What about a federal lawsuit? That might come down on you. And what happens when people see a quick buck? You know, there are a lot of people they go, uh, guys, they'll go around to bars that have ladies night and then they'll, they'll try to get in or they'll demand ladies night pricing. It'll say like 20% off for women on ladies night or 20% off entry. And the guy will come up and say, I demand you give me the lower price. And when they say no, they say, okay, file a lawsuit, instantly win because you're not allowed to do this and then walk away with a quick couple grand. There are people who do this and make a living doing it. Now, no joke. You could win several thousand dollars instantly. And all they got to do is look up in, a, in online ladies night in their city and they can just go around doing it. And these are they call themselves civil rights activists, huh? Outside of what's happening here with these businesses, let's talk about what's happening around the world. Libs of TikTok, you know them, you love them, posting these videos of New York City, Hawaii, Las Vegas. But here we go. Switzerland, Ireland, Berlin, Paris, London, Belgium, Montreal, Australia, Scotland, Greece. In all of these places, people are rising up and protesting against vaccine mandates. It's not an issue of, of it's not a medical issue, in my opinion. Somewhat tangentially, I suppose, this is a freedom issue and it is a sound policy issue. Mandating people whose doctors have had said who, who, whose doctors have said no will cause more problems, more vaccine hesitancy. And there have been many conservatives who have pointed out, you know what? If they came out and just said, look, here's the data. We advise you to get it. Talk to your doctor about what's right for you and do your best. So many more people would have gone, gone out. They made it easy. They made it accessible. And I think these are good things. But then they started doing weird things. Win a million dollars. 
Then they start doing even weirder things. Do it or else. We'll fine you. Some companies want to fine their employees, charge them a, a surcharge. New York City says it's time for the stick. Yeah, what did, what did de Blasio say something about? We had the carrot and the stick approach, and now it's time for the stick. Is that something the government should be allowed to do? No, I don't think so. And you know what? A lot of people agree with me. I hope you're ready for this. From CBS, New York, hundreds protest COVID vaccine mandates outside New York City Hall. From Mercury News, San Jose passes new vaccination mandate despite disruption from maskless protesters. Another city with mandates, still protests. This one from the Des Moines Register. 200 protesters picketed outside Des Moines Mercy One Medical Center, decrying the decision by Mercy One, the area's seven other hospitals, to require mandatory vaccines. Here's more. Hundreds protest vaccine mandate in San Francisco. From KAIT8, healthcare workers protest vaccine mandates in hospitals. This from Jonesboro, Arkansas. We then have St. Vincent's. What is this? What is it? Jacksonville, Florida. We then have Sayer, Pennsylvania, healthcare workers. These are healthcare workers protesting this. There's more. Come on. Hartford healthcare employees rally against vaccine mandate. Florida nursing home protest COVID vaccine mandates as deaths climb. We have this one. Grand Junction, Colorado, anti-mandate group holds new protest. Here we go. Healthcare workers protest vaccine mandate in Roswell, New Mexico. Here's Duluth News Tribune in Western North Dakota City. Nurses and supporters protest vaccine mandates. Waco, healthcare workers protest against vaccine mandates. Hundreds protest mask mandate in uh, COVID-19 vaccine requirement outside Genesis West in Davenport, Iowa. There's more. Hundreds gather at Capitol. And this is, what is this one? This is uh, Minnesota. This is the Minneapolis-St. Paul area, Minnesota State Capitol on Saturday, voicing their, their concerns. Here we go. Hundreds gather in Santa Monica to protest against proposed vaccine mandates. Now, you want to know why I really love this story from the other day? Dude here on the left has a rainbow don't tread on me flag. Here, here, good sir. I love it. I got to get me one of those flags. I think it's fantastic. Don't tread on me. You know what that means? You want to have your pride flag? Yes. And ain't nobody going to be treading on you because that's what this country is all about. I want to see all the don't tread on me flags. I don't care what the, well, look, I want to see a lot of people defending their right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, telling you to screw off, leave them alone. So long as they're not hurting other people, I believe they should be allowed to do their thing. Now, of course, there are big questions when it comes to hospitals and medical issues. There's a big challenge. But I tell you this, man. My view, I'll I'll give you the example of cigarettes in uh, bars in Chicago. I don't smoke. I hate smoke. I hate people smoking around me. I can't stand it. And when they said they were going to ban businesses from having people smoke inside, I said, what business is it of the city to do that? And so many non-smokers said they shouldn't be allowed to to let people smoke inside because, you know, what if I want to go in? Well, they have smoking and non-smoking sections on purpose to accommodate you. And you know what? If you don't like, well, I want to go to bars and everyone's always smoking in bars. Okay. Well, don't go to the bars that have all that. But every bar does. Well, too bad. It's not your bar. Now, I got to admit, I think it's way nicer. There's no more smoking in business in, in these buildings. But who's, who's, whose right is it to take that away from a private business that they want to allow? I saw something funny once when I was in Arizona. A bar cut a one-by-one hole in their ceiling. No joke. 
so that they could be qualified as an outdoor establishment and thus smoking was still permitted. Why? What's the point of that? You didn't change anything. They just cut a hole in their ceiling. That's how the rules work. My friends, if you think I'm done with the stories about protests, you would be wrong. Just a little bump in the road, a little stop. Here we go. U.S. Air Force Academy, Colorado, demonstrators protest mandatory vaccines for Air Force Academy cadets. Here's another one. Medical tyranny. Ascension Franklin nurses and others rally to protest mandated vaccines. Milwaukee. Oh, there's more. King 5, Seattle. I'll give up my job. State workers protest vaccine mandate. From 9ABC, Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Protesters gather. Unity Point, St. Luke's. All right, I, I, this is a repeat. I want to make sure you, okay, this one's a repeat. I didn't realize because I didn't see Cedar Rapids and Davenport, but I guess it's basically the same story. Healthcare workers protest West Virginia me- medicine vaccine mandate in Morgantown, West Virginia. Now, here's where it gets interesting. I am proud to see so many people in so many different cities standing up and saying, we reject this because you know what? Protests work if you can, if you can sustain it. And if you mean it, and if you're willing to go out there and march and wave that little sign, it works. It absolutely does. We talked about this during the George Floyd riots. When people peacefully protest, they get positive news coverage, which changes the conversation. And when people see that the majority are in favor or not in favor of certain ideas, they tend to be swung towards those ideas. So if people are not willing to get out and protest peacefully, then people are going to say no one must care. And when people go out and riot violently, you know what happens? Regular people get scared and say, I don't like this. And negative press coverage hurts the cause, which is why support for Black Lives Matter net support is lower now than where it was at the beginning of this year, of last year, sorry, of last year. You see, net support for Black Lives Matter hit something like 25%. There was almost no opposition. And then they started rioting in the wake of the George Floyd incident. And what happened to that? They lost support and gained massive opposition. Violent riots failed and Black Lives Matter was hurt because of it. And we all said it. Now, as for these peaceful protests, I think they're going to work. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Let's take a look at what's happening in the developments of the expansive authoritarianism. EU to remove U.S. from COVID safe travel list. American travelers face a ban on non-essential journeys and new quarantine restrictions as the EU removes the U.S. from a safe travel list. EU governments are set to blacklist American tourists later this afternoon after a surge in U.S. infections. The decision is not automatically binding, but it sets the framework for new European restrictions on transatlantic travel after a summer of eased rules. One key factor in the decision has been America's refusal since June to allow vaccinated European travels to visit the U.S. for non-essential reasons, such as tourism or visiting family members. The decision is primarily because the worsening COVID infection situation in the U.S., but uh, but Washington's decision to keep restrictions for Europeans all summer 
has made taking it all that much easier. An EU diplomat said, uh, had said earlier this month, Germany led calls to ban all non-essential American visitors to Europe if the Biden administration did not open U.S. borders to Europeans. The U.S. will be removed from a whitelist of 23 countries for which the EU recommends that travel restrictions should be lifted, along with Kosovo, Israel, Montenegro, Lebanon, and North Macedonia. Travelers from countries on the safe list can usually enter the UA, the EU sorry, without a 10 or 14 day quarantine by showing a proof of vaccination or a negative test. Those from countries not on the list are barred from non-essential visits and face stringent testing and quarantine requirements that rule out holidays. At present, most EU countries do not require Americans with a negative COVID test results to quarantine upon arrival. The biggest obstacle to tourism Belgium, Ireland, and Poland do ask U.S. tourists to self-isolate for short periods while awaiting a COVID test result. It will be up to European countries that are dependent on tourism, such as Italy, Greece, and Spain, to decide if vaccinated Americans can still travel over the coming days. I have a feeling Greece will not be implementing these bans, but who knows? Who knows? There are a lot of protests happening in Greece. Greece police, Greek police used tear gas, water cannon during Athens vaccine protest. But to be honest, I've been to Athens a couple times, I think, and uh, or technically a couple times because I traveled around Europe. But they protest, man, and they protest a lot. So it's not unusual. You walk around and there's some kind of civil unrest. But I'll tell you where things are starting to get worrisome from TimCast.com. Switzerland warns of potential terror attacks on vaccination sites. Now, that is scary. The Swiss Federal Intelligence Service voiced its concern with the national newspaper over the weekend. You want to know this is scary? Because we're about freedom. And that means if you make the choice to go get the vaccine because you either advised to do it, you think it's best for you. I respect your decision. And I say, you know what? You got to do what's right for you. And I will not tell you how to live your life. You do what you got to do. You talk to your doctor. We've had so many guests on Timcast IRL who have gotten the vaccine and are fine and said their doctor recommended it. And that's their choice. That's what it's all about. I'm pro-choice. How about that? I've always been pro-choice in terms of medical decisions. I've not been um, pro-authoritarian mandate for medical decisions. Just not. Mayor Bloomberg in New York, he proposed a tax on large sodas because he said people were dumb and he, he thought that it was bad for them. And you know what? Well, it is bad for people. Soda's awful. I don't drink it anymore. In fact, I've cut sugar, all these refined sugars out of my diet. I've been eating more leafy greens and uh, um, fresh meats and cheeses and fats, trying to eat better, just improve my general well-being with, uh, I, I guess you could call it paleo to be to a, to a certain, certain degree. It's, it's kind of keto, but you know, a lot of people don't understand ke- the ketogenic diet is tons of fat, like guzzling whipped cream and stuff which I have been eating a lot of, but I would say more like paleo. I'm trying to get away from the breads, the grains, the sugars, the garbage. And you know what? I'm only drinking water. I don't want any of that garbage because I I do want to be healthy. And I see these stories and I say, you know what? I'm going to make a decision that's right for me. But if you want to eat cheeseburgers all day and night, I ain't going to stop you. Just don't expect me to pay for your health care. Now, as for this story out of Switzerland, I hope that people respect the right of others to make those medical choices. You know, because we saw, I think it was in France, people set fire to vaccination sites. That is, that, that is wrong. That is the opposite of freedom. If the government wants to set up these vaccine sites where people can go and get these treatments, I'm all for it. Just not mandates. The idea that the government would provide 
medical services to people, to me, is a, is a good thing. I'd love a universal healthcare system. And my, my view of it is the more traditional leftist approach of you got to have private insurance supplementing the public stuff. The public, you know, universal health care is like you break your arm, they'll set it for you, you get sick, they'll make sure you don't die, you know, insulin and things like that, which Trump lowered the price on. And then if there's more serious ailments, you're going to need private insurance. That's how most of the world does it. The left today just wants to abolish private insurance, which is crazy. Now, I'll be honest with you. Considering the way the government's hand handled public health emergencies, I don't know if I could be in favor of a U.S. implementation of universal health care as much as I do think it's a good thing. Because they tried rolling out the vaccines by race. They're trying to mandate medical procedures. Nah, I won't support that because I believe in freedom. And truth be told, when it comes to universal health care, people might say, how can you mandate, you know, this tax and everybody? No, I'm not for that. I'm for a, uh, to be honest, unanimity. If the people of this country overwhelmingly agree, a supermajority, that this is a system they want, I'm all for it. But I won't go to someone with the force of government and tell them they have to live a certain way. And so that being said, I think a lot that we have implemented in this country has been overtly authoritarian and put in place through coercive force. Not a fan. I don't have all the answers, my friends. But I'll tell you this. We'll leave it on an optimistic note. The people are saying no to authoritarianism. And it's a good thing. Hopefully more people speak up, stand up. And that's what it's all about, man. That's what it's all about. My respect to each and every one of these individuals. Next segment's coming up tonight at 8 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcastirl. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all then.